0: On this episode of DLN Extend, we discuss when your tech enthusiasm can become a problem. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 62 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community from places like the DLN Discourse forums, Telegram groups, Discord servers, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network. Give our takes. And we are still down a co-host, but with me is the photographer extraordinaire, Wendy. How are you?
1: I am doing pretty good this week. How are you?
0: I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wendy, what have you been up to this current week.
1: Last week, I told you that I had a three-day class to take and I have survived class. It actually went a lot faster than I expected to. It's really nice when things turn out better than you expect. I thought the days were going to be long and drug on. They actually went pretty quickly, but I have to say I can't be happier with my desk. It was the perfect workstation. Two monitors means I could have my Zoom up for the class, doing all those things. Well, I had a second monitor where I could look stuff up. I had several presentations that I needed to do during the course of this class. And having my two monitor setup was amazing for the fact that I could get the presentation ready on one screen. So by the time I shared, you weren't seeing all of the other crap on my desktop. The other advantage that I had was I actually have room. So I've got a picture somewhere, I'll have to share it, of my old desk. And there literally was no extra space. The tower took up a huge part of the desk. My main monitor was down on the desk. So between everything else going on, there was no space to have anything on there with you. And I also had some other reference materials that I needed to look at that were on paper. Oh my gosh, imagine that. We still use paper sometimes. And I needed to be able to look at that and read it at the same time. I've got stuff going on on both monitors. I love the space that I have. The only downside was that because my office is also in my room, my camera can only be pointed one direction for it to look halfway normal. The other way, you get to see the rest of my messy room. So I need to find a different way to mount my camera for stuff like that because I couldn't sit. So I had to stand the whole time, even though I have a sit-stand desk. If I sat, then you would be looking down on me instead of looking at me in the face. And if I moved it to the other monitor, which adjusts with my desk right now, then you'd look at the rest of my crappy room. So that was the only downside. (laughs) I need to find a better way to mount my camera. Other than that, class went fantastic. And I love this desk. Love it.
0: Stuff all over our desk. No, we would never (laughs) do such things organization that's all we're ever about around here. As I look at my desk and just shake my head and say, yeah, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's still clutter on the desk. There's just far less clutter and there is more usable space around the clutter. Though, because you could see my desk during the class, I did have it cleaned off a little bit more so that you weren't seeing the (laughs) extent of the clutter on the desk.
0: Here's the real question. Is that all your clutter or is that the family's clutter?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's definitely a mix. I'm not the only one who puts stuff on here. We share this space (laughs) and the kids will just come in and either just set stuff on my bed or set stuff on my
0: desk. Yeah, I definitely get that. Glad your class went well. What did you think of the course overall? I
1: really enjoyed it. It was a fun course to take. I got to visit with some people all over the United States. So it was fun. It was a really fun three days. I'm glad I did it. But at the same time, I'm glad I had a workspace that made it easier to focus on the class and not one that made it uncomfortable and wishing it was just over.
0: That's cool. At least you had some time to kind of absorb knowledge and not just be like everything got crammed in all kind of one day kind of deal, which is always a rough time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What have you been up to lately? It sounds like there might be some more decluttering.
0: Well, you have clutter. I am trying to get rid of mine. (laughs) I'm all for redundancy. I'm generically a three machine person. I have an editing rig. I have another editing rig and I have another machine that is capable of replacing either one if one of those goes down. That's redundancy to me in a good way. My problem is I literally have had three machines sitting on my actual recording desk for about three months that I haven't touched. They just have sat. And the hardware is not horrible. It's just I have no use for them. I'm to the point now where I'm not distro hopping. Having an extra machine is kind of nice, but I don't distro hop. If something breaks and I can't fix it, it's the only time I really distro hop. If I'm not using it, I would rather it be used by somebody who might be able to get some use out of it. Another thing was I had talked to him a few months ago about buying like eight terabytes of storage. Well, now I just have a stack of about 10 or 12 hard drives just sitting here. Because I already have three other places that everything's backed up to redundancy is fine. It's becoming a problem, though.
1: You've got a little too much redundancy is what you're saying. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I have like six cell phones that I don't use. Well, okay, five. Pine phones are different. That's my, I guess you could say, distro hopping device.
1: That's a play device. Yeah, absolutely. That one still has a purpose. It may not be your everyday device, but it is useful.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Pine phone specifically, like that device, I do give feedback as far as like what's working, what's not to the distros that I do test on it. So that actually has a helping community purpose. As much as I love BlackBerry 10, I have a BlackBerry 10 phone that I haven't touched in probably over a year. I have a LG V10 that if somebody wants a parts phone, there you go. The Palm phone. Love the little thing, but I don't need it. The newer phone that I picked up, the Sonom, does everything I need to because the screen small enough where it doesn't make me want to use it all the time like when I use a OnePlus 7T or something. It's just trying to get rid of some of this extra stuff. For people who think that the clutter in the background on my shelf, you know, all the video games and stuff. We all got vices. What do you want to <laughs> That to me is not clutter. That is a mass interest that overtakes even technology and Linux kind of stuff. Yeah. Some people are movies. Some people are whatever. In Wendy's case, lenses and cameras. And if you can justify it, why wouldn't you kind of deal, right?
1: Half of our spare room is dedicated to my camera crap. Yeah, I can't say anything
0: there. <laughs> so we all have our vices. But yeah, I'm trying to declutter and get rid of some of the excess stuff because it's a bit much.
1: Good luck with that. DigitalOcean is offering their App Platform Service, which is a solution to build modern cloud native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for many programming languages such as Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby. Plus, their support for static sites, Docker, and container images. What are the other cool things that go with this DigitalOcean app platform service? High stability, zero infrastructure management. Run code with little to no customizations. App Platform uses cloud native standards and automatically analyzes your code. Creates containers and runs them on Kubernetes clusters. As a DLN Extend listener and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Actually, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you go to do.co/dln. Again, go to do.co/dln to get started with your $100 credit on DigitalOcean's app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend.
0: Well, speaking of clutter, as Linux enthusiasts, Linux users, we tend to be really big tech enthusiasts, I found. I pose a question to you, Wendy, because this might mean more to you than it does me. When does tech enthusiasm become a problem? I bring this up because obviously we just mentioned that like, I'm trying to declutter my crap. When does it become more of a hoarding kind of thing? For some people, tech is their thing. I totally get it. But like, when do you think it becomes a problem?
1: I don't know. That's one of those things that you have to take on a case by case basis. It's a problem if you're a not paying your other bills, of course, because you're so involved in buying more tech. It's a problem if you can't safely get through your home because there's too much tech. Those are obvious ones to say. But I know that there's people that could walk into my house, especially with all of the laptops that I have right now on the shelf in the living room that are between personal use for family and the ones that are sitting and waiting to be used for school this fall. Somebody be like, oh my gosh. And then they could walk into the spare room where I have boxes still from the hardware that I. I bought for the system i'm currently using spare parts that'll go to build another system here eventually spare parts that i have for what ifs all kinds of stuff and there are somebody that could say i have too much tech so as long as it's not a hurting your personal relationships or b causing you to not be able to pay the bills you need to do I don't see it as a problem.
0: I get that. I guess for me, my thing has always been about if it's not being used by me, could this be being used by somebody else? Could they do something with it? If the answer is yes, then I probably shouldn't have it. It's weird, like an altruistic kind of view, but I'm detracting from somebody potentially having a system that they could be creating content with. They could be doing schoolwork with, You know, whatever kind of way you want to look at it. That's kind of how I view it. Your case is unique. One of the pictures you sent me was all the Surface devices, but you also had the stack of co-op laptops right there too. And I was like, "Yeah." and people say I have too many machines. (laughs) (laughs) The difference is every one of those machines you have has a purpose. It is being used or it is going to be used.
1: Well, I'm looking at two right above my head on a shelf that haven't moved in probably a year and a half that have absolutely no purpose other than ones broken and the other one, there's keys missing on the keyboard. It's a 32-bit system.
0: Sympathies on the 32-bit. Ouch.
1: The Most people aren't going to be using that one. I still have it for nostalgia's sake because it was the first laptop that I ever bought that was just mine mm-hmm. before I was living at home or whatever. And so the only computer we had was shared by everybody. I still own the very first computer that was ever actually mine. But everything else, for the most part, has a purpose. I do have an extremely old power supply. I actually have several really old power supplies. Probably don't need to be keeping them. They could probably go be recycled. I have some different RAM sticks hanging around that sometimes I'll test to see if they can go in different new machines that I get. Everything typically has a purpose that is going to be used, maybe not every day, but it has. As a purpose for something.
0: Yeah. Like I said, you're a very unique case as far as uh, quantity of machines and all that kind of stuff. I think my thing is I see it becoming a problem when the clear purpose of something is gone. And some of that has to do with how I view computers and technology as a whole. I view them very much in the tool mentality as far as this is a tool, this is your function, this is what you do. And if you're not doing any one of those, why are you around? (laughs) It's kind of like having a coworker and you have three good coworkers working their butt off doing exactly what they need to do. And you got the one sitting off to the side on a break their entire shift. And you're like, you're useless kind of deal to me. I guess that's kind of where I judge what's clutter and when it becomes a problem, I guess. Obviously shifts in lifestyle will determine that what you do and don't do as far as technology and that kind of stuff. Some people need to be lightweight. Some people need certain things as far as what they expect from machines and what they need out of a machine. Obviously, every answer is going to be different, but I think it's an interesting view on technology because everyone's got a different one. Yeah. So like in my case, while I have a fairly decent machines in my recording studio... I don't need to take the RTX 2060 32 gigs. I don't need to take that machine home. All I really need at home is just a small computer, Surface Pro, something that is literally thrown in a bag and I don't care. My needs on a mobile aspect are far different than when I'm doing content. For some people, totally opposite. Some people need the big, beefy, here's the 17 inch gaming laptop that's three inches thick with dual GPUs and all the other nonsense.
1: You're talking to somebody that has three computers. There is my main computer, there is my travel computer, and then there's my kitchen computer. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) But again, everyone has a purpose.
1: Yes, every single system has a purpose, but everybody's purposes can be different. All of those systems I just mentioned are used every day or almost every day, and I'd Actually, have to say that my kitchen system gets the most use out of any of the systems in my house. It gets used all the time, every single day. Not just me, my husband, my kids. It gets used all of the time. Of the three systems, it is the oldest and has the least quote-unquote impressive hardware, but it does get used absolutely every single day, all of the time. I love my kitchen system. Then you have the people that their hardware has a purpose, but does it get used every day? No, they have this thing because this item had this really cool aspect, almost like Jill, where you get a collection of devices that you're collecting because of what they are or the time that they came out. Have a purpose other than direct use.
0: It's ironic given the fact that I'm one of those that I love weird hardware. That you do. I love esoteric weird hardware. And yet there's a part of me that's like, do I need it? Is it functional, like weird esoteric hardware? I'm kind of over the, oh, that's different and weird, to now I just need stuff to be functional, have its use, and everything else just go away.
1: Then you have the people that really can't throw things away. An example is my in-laws got a new vacuum five years ago. The vacuum that is like 35 years old is still in the
2: closet.
0: This would be a discussion I would love for Nate to be here for, honestly. Nate is more of a nostalgia computer historian. He enjoys older computers, older systems, seeing what you can still accomplish on them. That's his area of interest. You know, that's why he like Pymega. There's that nostalgia factor for him from growing up. That's where his interest lies. So it makes total sense that somebody like Nate or Jill would have a bunch of different hardware that they might not necessarily have quote unquote use. But for them, it's like for me collecting video games or you doing camera stuff.
1: My favorite lenses are old lenses from the late 70s, early 80s.
0: We all have our collecting things. Maybe I'm just the weird one when it comes to tech. I've just gotten to a point where I just know what I need and what I don't need and everything else can go away. Maybe that's my old inner man coming out now, I
1: guess. (laughs) (laughs) I think you like to be a little more tech minimalist. You want to have the stuff that you need to get the job done, but you don't want a bunch of extra stuff hanging around that has no purpose for specific jobs, where then you have people that their love of technology is the collecting of it. And especially if you have that tech in a place that you can see it and enjoy your collection, I think that that makes it as a benefit. It's an overall positive for you. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you were a collector of tech, but then all gets pushed back in a closet and you never get to see it and you never get to use it. Yeah, it's there, but you lose some of that enjoyment factor. So definitely having a place that you can display it, play with it, that kind of thing, I think makes a difference on, is it tech enthusiasm?
0: Enthusiasm would be you want to show it. You want it to be, this is my interest. Tech hoarding would just be like, you have it just to have it, you know, it's shoved in the closet and the avalanche of crap that falls out of the closet whenever, you know, company comes over because you shoved it all in the closet. <laughs> that to me would be more the hoarding.
1: No, that's just the spare room that it doesn't get cleaned out <laughs> until and we know we're having company that stays the night. Next-
0: <laughs> we all do that though. It's a fine line, I think. For some people, I think the enthusiasm is you want it to be shown. So, people like Nate and Jill, I don't view them as hoarders or like people with a quote unquote problem. I view them as very much tech enthusiasts. They like the history of technology, like seeing the progression of technology. Again, you know, I can't say anything. Like, we all have our thing that we like to see and do and collect and whatever. As an example, I have a industrial grade cell phone now. It's meant for first responders and people who are like oil workers and stuff, but I still have a spare phone. I also have four other spare phones, but the other four are going away. <laughs> to me, having a backup is not clutter. It's redundancy. It's a, okay, phones break, things happen. That's where my line is. I think everybody's line is just different when it comes to like what they need and what they are enthusiastic about.
1: I actually think more people should have a backup phone because we have a backup phone too. My husband and I each have our phones. My oldest daughter has her phone, and then we have a spare phone. I actually wouldn't have a spare sim card for the service that we use just in case something happens and either one of the devices needs a new sim card and we've got to transfer stuff over to it or a phone breaks There's no need to panic and have to figure out, okay, how are we going to buy a phone or whatnot? There's one in the drawer that can be used to replace any phone at any time if needed. And that's more of a practical thing and not of a tech hoarding thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's more of a common sense thing. For those that don't get that, if you've ever cracked a screen, totally destroyed your phone and it's like your one lines of communication and you're not able to have one that line of communication for two days if you have Prime or, you know, it could be longer or you don't have the X amount of money to buy said phone at a store. That's a tough thing to live without, not going to lie.
1: It is a tough situation to be in, especially where we live in a world where so many people don't have house phones anymore. So I have an exact story of that case and part of the reason why we keep a spare phone now I was pregnant and we had been to the store and the store that we were in has solid concrete floors and I'd asked my daughter to hold it. Well, when it fell out of her hand, she accidentally dropped it. She was pretty little at the time. You know, accidents happen. And it slipped out of her hands and it landed screen first on the concrete. Oh, geez. I thought it was fine, like everything seemed to be okay. I didn't actually pick it up or anything, try to turn on the screen. I was just like, yeah, it's fine. Let's get through, check out and get out of here. I was getting tired, was just wanting to get home. On the way home, my phone starts ringing. Can I answer it? No, because the screen doesn't light up anymore. So in the impact, the screen had gotten damaged, most likely. The backlight, because touch worked. So if you could figure out where you were supposed to push in order to answer the phone call, you could. But unless you knew exactly where that was on the phone, and this was back in goodness, I think I was pregnant with my third child, so it was probably 2012-ish. So if you knew where to push, then you could answer the phone. If you didn't know where to push, then you were just out of luck. So then I was (laughs) pregnant, no house phone, and without a phone, while the one that I had got sent in and a new one was sent to me because it was under a warranty that we had, so I got a replacement, but I had to wait for the phone to get there. Never again will I be in a situation where I I could possibly need a phone and not have one because my current one is broke
0: yeah and i'm a three system person as far as my computing quote unquote. for me it's the same deal what if something breaks what if something goes down and i can't get it fixed in say the same day i'll be out a day i'm not going to be out two days three days 40 however long i totally get having some type of redundancy after having an experience where it's like oh Hey, my machine fried. I have no backup.
1: Yeah, that would be horrible. This actually goes back to making sure you have redundancies. The gal that was teaching the class that I took last week, her computer died just before class. So they had an extra system, which was her husband's laptop. She had all kinds of problems with it during the class. So, making sure that you have a system that you know and you're comfortable with that can fill that void if something happens, this is so important for. If you use your computer for work, if you use your computer for school, just relying on one machine where something always goes wrong with technology seems to be grounds, oh, crap, now what do I do?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's because of that look of like, what if that sometimes some people go overboard with the tech? Yeah. I'm not saying all, I'm not saying everybody. But I think it's that concern of the what if and whatnot. It's a lot different with things that we know will break. Because at the end of the day, if you've done tech long enough, you know it's all going to break in some way, shape, or form. Something's going to fail. Something's not going to work, etc.
1: Yeah. And it always happens at the worst possible time.
2: That it always does. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager we use and trust. It's the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as pin, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security. All to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into a Serious Jam numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend.
0: Speaking of choices and lines that we draw and where we go and don't go, there was a conversation that was in the discourse for about mail providers. I don't mean physical mail, I mean email. And it was, I believe the one was Proton versus, I'm not even going to attempt to butcher the name. There will be a link in the show notes for the topic because I don't do butchering of names. They were going back and forth about Proton mail and this other encrypted email service. And Wendy, you had a particular take on this.
1: I have not used either one of the services that they were talking about on the discourse form. When I was looking for something to replace the Google email that I'd been using for just a Got everything for a while, wanting to switch to something definitely more private where I wasn't feeling like my emails were being used as advertising data. Yannick had given a list of some different ones, and one of those in that list was MailFence. So I've now been using it since October of 2018. It is open PGP end to end encryption password encrypted messages, you can do digital signatures, there's integrated key storage, two-factor authentication, secure access through the transport layer security, SSL, TSL encryption, Now, if you're using the free version of this, and there is a free version, your overall inbox size isn't extremely big. You're still getting a secure free email account. So it's got 500 megabytes of emails that you can have, 500 megabytes worth of documents, but you still have the encryption and a two-factor authentication plus support for it. All of my kids needed an email account directly associated with them for the charter school that we went through as part of our homeschool plan last year. And this is a great way to do that because they didn't need a whole lot of email storage. There practically wasn't anything coming to them. They just had to have an email and it fit that purpose perfectly. They do have several other options, entry-level five gigabytes of emails. You can have up to 10 aliases, 12 document storage three groups, and at their paid level, then you can use additional applications in order to access your email address. If you are just using the free version, then there is no using it other than directly on the website itself. So that's the advantage. One of the bigger advantages, if you are paying for it, is access to use it outside of the web application itself. I personally have their quote-unquote ultra 50 gigabytes of emails, 70 gigabytes of document storage, though I really don't store documents on there. You have, of course, your encryption, two-factor authentication, custom emails, all of that fun stuff, but I pay $30 a year. That's it. 30 bucks a year to have this private email. And I've absolutely loved the stuff that they do. If you do like to have your calendar and documents and contact groups all inside your email, they do have all of that stuff built in. I haven't really used any of that myself, I just use it for having private messages. Now, do I still have a Google account? Absolutely. If there's some place that wants my email and I don't want them to have my good email, basically it's junk. I send them to my Gmail account. Everything else that's important gets my mail fence account as far as personal emails goes.
0: I use ProtonMail personally for most of my stuff. Do I still have a Gmail account? Yes, I do. Does all my crap go to that one? New. No. <laughs> my important stuff goes to my Proton Mail account. Right. But you said it was only thirty dollars for the "quote unquote" ultimate plan or whatever.
1: Yes, thirty bucks for a year. That's it.
0: I'm definitely gonna have to look at that because I just use the free account on Proton Mail, and it's only five hundred megs of storage, 150 messages a day, and limited support. It, it's the typical what you would expect kind of free account stuff. Right. You go up to the monthly, which is five dollars a month, it is five gigs, a thousand messages a day, labels, custom filters, a full Send encrypted messages to external recipients, use your own domain, up to five email aliases, priority customer support. Visionary, which this would be more in your line because I'm assuming you have the 50 gigs because you deal with photos, which are absurdly big in size. They only offer 20 gigs, up to 50 email addresses, 10 domains, multi-user support up to six. No sending limits and all the other typical stuff. Though, in fairness, they do include uh, Proton VPN it rolled into the monthly. So, yeah. still pricey. I mean, you're talking about $360 a year, give or take.
1: You said it was five bucks a month?
0: No, no, no. That's for like the plus support. If you go with the equivocal plan that you have. Through MailFence, which is thirty dollars a month.
1: Oh yeah, big difference there. Yeah, I pay thirty dollars a year, so it's the same plan. Yeah, that's a huge difference. Huge difference.
0: Now I'm assuming the extra cost is the fact that they include Proton VPN. Yeah. In that thirty dollars a month, but still, that is in comparison. I might have to be giving a MailFence a look because I like Proton Mail. Don't get me wrong. But there are certain things sometimes where the extra storage would be nice. At a yearly rate of 30 bucks. that's more than, I think, fair to charge and support. From what you said, they have basically all the same things that, for me, make me use ProtonMail. Namely, the less reliance on Google stuff is pretty much why I have that.
1: Exactly. And I definitely don't want my private mail being sorted through by an ad company. And that's one of the things that I like about these service, say, mail and Proton Mail is that they have no ads. They have no trackers. No. There's no solicitation unless you want to use your email on something other than in the browser itself. That's the only time they ever say, "Hey, if you want to use this, then, you know, you need to upgrade." Other than that, they don't solicit you at all one of the things that I liked about this, and I think ProtonMail is very similar, is that it is under the Belgian Privacy Protection Laws, so only a local judge there can actually request a court order to get into my emails. Is there anything in there that is a problem? Absolutely not, but I like having my email on a service that I know is as private as I can get it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I totally get that. So ProtonMail, I believe, well, not Belgium, but same deal. I think it's Switzerland, if I remember correctly, but same deal as far as like the encryption and all that stuff. But I will definitely be giving MailFence a look at the yearly cost because, you know, that's what, a little less than three bucks a month. Like, that's definitely worth uh, taking a look at. It
1: was one of those things that I didn't necessarily need a mailbox that big because I do try to keep it fairly cleaned out. But because I really liked their service and price wise to me, it was like I can justify very easily 30 bucks a year for this service. Absolutely. And so my daughter will actually need access to her email account more this coming year as she enters high school. And so I will be upgrading her Fence account to a paid one. We're gonna jump over from talking about email, and play with some games. What games do you have with us this week?
0: Persona 5 Strikers. This is something I'm playing on Switch. Unfortunately, for those that are on Linux, currently, at last I looked at least the other day, this game is borked. Some people from what I saw were able to get it running after a myriad of hoop jumping, which is not ideal. So I'm playing this on Switch right now. It is a story focused wave combat kind of game. And what I mean, wave combat is you go into an area, it's just waves of enemies come at you, you fight them, and you move on. That's essentially the core gist of it. But it has a really high focus on story. Combat wise, for the, anyone who's played games like Dynasty Warriors or any of those kind of games, will kind of get the feel for the game as far as what I mean. Really enjoying it. If anybody's played Persona 5, Persona 5 Royal or whatever edition you played, it's actually more of a sequel than a a spinoff. It was kind of cool to see. I've been enjoying the art style. This is very anime in its design.
1: Looking at some of the screenshots and videos for this, it gives me really a comic booky feel to how some of the graphics are laid out.
0: Yeah, like the attack animations and like kind of the 1960s Batman whiz pow pop.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: There's a campiness to it, but there's a charm to the campiness almost. It's something that I really like about it. A lot better than I thought it was going to be, given that it's not the typical gameplay wise that don't generically have a very big focus on story. And quite frankly, are usually, well, you either like them or you don't. (laughs) And I'm usually in the I don't like them kind of can't just because there's usually not enough focus on a story. If they do more games like this, I might be changing my tune. That you can get on Switch, PS4, Xbox, and Steam. Again, it doesn't currently work on Linux, but I'm sure we'll get it working eventually. For those that want a Persona fix, go play Persona 4 Golden. We'd like to continue the discussion with you on Telegram, in Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for more information on how to connect with us on all our social channels and shows and creators at destinationlenux.network. For more information on where you can find nate at cubicleNate.com for all his regular written blatherings podcast and youtube channel you can follow my random ramblings and critique all my gaming choices at matt dln on twitter
1: you can find me on mastodon at wendy dln at mastodon.online be sure to check out the dln merch store grab yourself some awesome dln extend swag along with stuff from shows across the network as always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone.
0: All right. Let's see. Let's see if I can do this without stumbling through it. On this episode of DLN Extend, we discuss when your tech enthusiasm... <laughs> see? Yeah, they could going to be one of those days already. <laughs>
1: words, words, words.
0: Yep, definitely words. Oops, Matt Naughty number one. Uh-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. There's going to be naughty tags in this one again.
0: <laughs> did I have last week?
1: No, there were no naughty mats.
0: I was going to say, I was pretty sure it was pretty good last week.
1: Yes, I did. I've never used either one of the surfaces that Oh, my goodness. Surfaces? Yeah, sure. Okay. I think we've been talking computers way too much prior to this topic. Probably. I've never used either one of the service. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sir,
0: service.
1: Sir. Oh, wow. I can't say the word, 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 word. Services. Not surface. It's a service Blah.
0: service uh, service Wow. A.
1: Okay. 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 We will try this again. I'm not guaranteeing it's going to work, but we'll try it
0: again. Hey. Yeah. No guarantees. <laughs> of
1: it was Yannick that said, here's a list of some different ones, and one of the ones he recommended was male fist.
0: <laughs> male fist? Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize we we're, were going medieval, but Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh wow
0: did, so- did somebody not have enough coffee
1: <laughs> i have only had half a cup of coffee and the worst part is i'm already laughing hard enough to cry and i normally don't wear makeup but i decided to put some makeup on today and did it before the show so it was done before leaving the house after the show and i'm really wishing i wouldn't because like half my mascara is going to be running down my face from laughing at my own mess ups so there oh my gosh <clears throat> so i'm going to take that one almost from the top words are done
0: yeah i was gonna say words words words
1: words 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 words